Every year, there are plenty of craft beer awards celebrating the best-in-class brews from around Australia and New Zealand. Highly trained judges are looking at the style, clarity, flavour profile, aroma and mouthfeel. They're looking at what goes inside the can or bottle. But what about the outside label? That brilliantly executed artwork that first catches a craft beer lover's eye. The pop of colour, witty copy and bold design that leaps off the shelf. In the world of craft beer and cider, first impressions count. And Australia's iconic beer festival, Gabs, celebrates the designers and the marketers behind those important moments. After you listen to this episode about design, you can find out more about some of the best design in beer in Australia at the moment by going to www.gabsfestival.com and looking at the Label Design Awards for Australia and New Zealand for 2021. Gabs Festival proudly brings you this episode of Brewery Pro. Hi, I'm Matt Kirkegaard, and in this Brewery Pro podcast, we look at branding through design and speak with Kodo Design co-founder, Isaac Arthur. Kodo Design is an Indianapolis-based branding firm that has worked with many breweries on their marketing and branding, including a number in this part of the world. In this chat, Isaac breaks down how important design is in the craft beer market, the current branding trends within the industry, how breweries can stay up to date on branding advice and develop their own brand strategies. There's links to all of those things and more advice from Isaac in the show notes. Isaac Arthur, welcome to Brewery Pro. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. Appreciate it. I've been a long-time follower of uh, Kodo Designs and the, the various publications you've been putting out, but uh, maybe you could just have step back and give us the introduction to how you set up your business, but then also came to specialize in 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 the the, the beverage space and particularly the craft beer space. Sure. Uh, we are a 12-year-old food and beverage branding firm, so based here in Indianapolis, Indiana, so just right around the corner from you guys. Uh, <laughs> Cody and I, uh, we so I don't know how much propaganda you want. I'll just give you kind of an elevator pitch here. We uh we we founded Coda right after graduating from college, again, back in May 10th, 2009, based on the belief that we can create better work by directly including our clients in the creative process. He and I had these internship experiences while we were in school where we saw the traditional design industry, as it were, at that time. So there was there's a lot of hubris. There were account managers. There were like these levels of firewalls, essentially, between the clients and designers. Felt like we could create better work if we just kind of eliminated all that. And we were too young uh, and, and maybe naive to know any better. So we, we graduated, did that. So founded in 2009, the reason we're here talking, uh, we our first year was working with nonprofits, but but we started, we were into beer. We were home brewing. We were big fans of beer right out of college. We, we were transitioning from, you know, drinking trash beer to like Guinness and New Moon and, or, or Blue Moon rather, and having, you know, getting a lot of the same beer experiences a lot of people had in our generation, starting to realize there's better stuff out there. So we, we thought we wanted to work with breweries and it was a very nation idea back then. So uh, through a lot of, a lot of luck, I guess we landed our first brewery client in 2010 and then we've now, so I'm going to fast forward a lot here. Uh, we've grown to be a seven-person shop. We work with breweries all across the United States, all around the world. Uh, we help folks brand, and these days mostly rebrand. I think we've worked with 63 or four or five. The number probably doesn't really matter, but that was the last time I kind of tallied it as far as breweries go. The bulk of our work over the last several years it transitioned from breweries and planning kind of in 17, though we still do a lot of brewery and planning work. 
But to give you a sense of the, where, the, where the market is here in the States, a lot of work with rebranding, a lot of refreshes, a lot of packaging refreshes, a lot of sweeping rebrands. So about 20 of those under our belt now since 17. So a typical project for us, you know, helping folks figure out their positioning and brand strategy, identity, packaging, websites, everything we do these days is geared towards selling more beer. There's very little kind of gussying up and prettying up. People come to us with, uh, you know, weird brand architecture issues. They've launched a bunch of brands that are doing really well and they, they don't know what to do with it now. Uh, so that's kind of a transition to kind of where we are right this second in time and where your market's probably already headed. I mean, we, we also do a lot of work beyond beer with beverage alcohol. So we help breweries launch RTDs, kombuchas, hard seltzer, obviously is the thing that kind of blew this whole thing up. Uh, maybe it's faltering now, maybe it's not, we don't know, but we also do a lot of work with, with, uh, other parallel industries. So hospitality groups, restaurants, distilleries, cannabis uh, is a somewhat legal thing here in the States, somewhat not illegal or illegal. I don't know. It's changing every minute. We're, we live in Indiana, so we're, we're in the 1800s here. So it's definitely not legal. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, CPG food and bet. So we, I, I think we, we came into beer and into beverage alcohol kind of on accident initially, and then intentionally for the last, maybe since like 16, 17, when we started writing more, more thoroughly about it, I think that's kind of how we ended up here. It, it, it's interesting that you say that because, uh, you know, I, I was looking that you're a 12 year old firm. Um, you graduated in from design 2009, um, pretty much sort of got, got started in your own way, but that was also, I think you describe it in your current um, design uh, the, the the craft beer uh, branding trends um, book. You talk about that as the boom years of craft beer. Yeah, and we have seen a lot of businesses that as craft beer really started to to gain traction. The industries that support any other in- industry, design, packaging, you know, manufacture. We've had canning line machines shrink as businesses have seen the opportunity and design. You know, is one of those things that I, I guess was strangely a little bit late to the party, and the industry was in its immature years was fairly unsophisticated about its branding in in a lot of ways, and uh, that has given businesses such as yourself a great opportunity to to get in there. Yeah, it, it was. We were talking a little bit before recording. It just there were from twenty ten to twenty. I don't even know the the number. There, we were we were at a clip. I think we still actually are at two. We were at three a day opening, three breweries a day opening in the United States. I mean, the growth is just astronomical. I mean, from the end of Prohibition to two thousand, there was not maybe a thousand breweries open, and so we were at something like I quote these numbers all the time, and now I can't remember when I'm on the spot. It's like fifteen hundred breweries in the year two thousand, two thousand ten. 1800 breweries from 2010 to now it's like 9300 i mean it's just it's a mm. straight rocket shot and so many breweries came to market that it was just branding it's always important but it kind of wasn't important in those early days people just didn't invest in it you know when we started rebranding breweries heavily in 2017 we were working with folks that had been open for 2 years you know let alone people that have been doing it for 20 or 30 just there, I think there was not a level of understanding as to, hey, running a brewery is no different than running any other business. You need to tell a compelling story. You need to present yourself well. And people people started to catch up to that 
I, hopefully in large part, not a large part, but in small part, because we've been like screaming about this since like 2013. It's like, guys, you can do so much better. Uh, you don't just have to have sexist, terrible, horrible labels. You know, you can you can have like great <laughs> stuff. I'm, I don't know if you have that down your neck of the woods, but that's a big thing here. Uh, and so 13, 14, I think we we started we started really ramping up. Business started ramping up for us as more and more breweries in planning in particular. That's kind of my metric here went, oh, we need to do this correctly out of the gate. We've seen so many people open, gain traction, then rebrand. We don't want to go through that. So yeah, um, I think there was just a lot of free real estate in those early days. And now, I mean, if you if you came to market without branding, good luck. I don't know what you're hoping to get out of it, but it's not going to be as easy as if you brand yourself properly. It, 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 it's funny that you say that because again, our podcasts tend to be non-linear like when, when we have conversations because you know I, I could sit down and ask you what should breweries do when they do their new demand uh, you know um, to, to avoid the problems and the pitfalls but when you look at the evolution of the industry and design all of the threads that have been driving the growth of craft beer have been intertwined and design has reflected that and you know understanding how we got here is probably as important to understanding where we you know where we're going and uh, you know I, I'm fascinated by the promise of this idea of craft beer. You know, back when we used to debate endlessly, what is craft beer? Unfortunately, that doesn't happen because the conversation was purely about the liquid and the purity of the intent of the product. And brands reflected that to, to some extent. You know, the brand didn't matter because it's craft beer, man. We just have to make great liquid. I mean, is that, is that a fair observation, you know, of, of the early years? For sure. In the early years. I mean, I'll go back to even before Coda was a thing. I mean, when I was just getting into home brewing, I mean, I picked up Sam Calagione's book and I, I was just immersed in that dogfish head story. And, and it's, I was as smitten with it as anyone was, as anyone, right? Any, any pie eyed person starting a brewery today. And and that was very, very important in the early days. And and then I don't know, maybe I think I'm too close to the industry, frankly, to answer this, uh, honestly. I mean, it, just from an industry perspective, any any kind of shred of that story that I was still hanging on to went out the window when I saw craft beer drinkers buying black cherry white claw. It's just like there's no there's <laughs> and, and, and buying a whole lot of it. You know, there's no provenance, there's no yeah. story. People don't care. And that made me that made me kind of and then I then I'm watching, you know, Boston Beer launch truly. I'm watching these other these other companies that I've I've held in high regard. And not that I matter or my opinion matters, but I've just kind of realized Oh, well, I feel very validated just in hearing this. So please go on. Yeah, I, 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 I probably shouldn't keep going. I should probably stop there, but I, I don't know. <laughs> well, no, because th that brings in the importance of design. When product doesn't matter, design does. Is is my yeah? You know, not not that product doesn't matter, but design increasingly needs to tell the story that the three guys who met over a beer and decided to launch a brewery can't tell anymore is, 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 is why I think that this conversation particularly is. So yeah. I, I think that especially I won't call it, I don't, there's very little zero sum in, in this, this space, but I think that at that upper echelon of like white claw, truly whomever the, the third is who even cares. Uh, I, I think that design does matter because you're on shelf. You're, I think it's more advertising, frankly, than design even. I don't think that packaging is ever really that well done at that level. Uh, I think that as you go down further to the neighborhood level, that's where that story, that's where that story matters. That's where, I mean, interestingly, 
I think that at the real hyper local spot, I don't know that branding is even, we've written about this and we got, it's like one of the most engaged pieces we ever wrote is a newsletter a couple months ago. We asked the question, do brew pubs need great branding? We're a branding firm that is in the business of and, and our, our selling branding. And our position was maybe not. I mean, if your goal is just to sell beer across the, the, uh, the bar and you're doing, and the beer is perfect and you create great customer experience, do you need to pay a firm? a bunch of money to, to do that. And our answer was, I mean, you should, but you don't need to. And I think there's a lot of evidence historically of, of that being that way. Dogfish head was horrendously branded for years. And, and, and that's one of my favorite things about this industry is we have these, um, I, they're not unicorns, but we'll just have a brewery that we've never heard of from the middle of the the west the western United States, and they make forty thousand barrels a year. Somehow we've never heard of them, and they look like trash, but they're just they sell hundred thousand barrels a year. It's a super super popular brewery, and that that kind of makes me as a setting aside my you know business owner, I should I should push everyone to brand themselves. That makes me as a beer fan really happy because I watch these people that are just killing it because their beer's good, their story's good, and what they're doing is really great. And, and then if I can come in, if Kodo can come in and work with those who that that's that's kind of a dream project as we get into it, because you're working with people that haven't they, they've done it the 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 romantic, the the right way in my mind, which is they the beer is the what matters. It's not about it's not about fancy labels. It's not about advertising. It's about the beer. And that's really cool. I like that. I, I like when those those things cr- crop up, with, you know, every now and then it's not that often anymore. But. Because again, the, the the question of brew pubs and, and and that that engagement you got actually comes to, you know, is, is a hinge issue in a lot of ways um, to this. Because speaking from my experience, we're a national beer news website, and there are a number of directory sites and things. So we try and sell small, hyper local regional breweries a subscription to make the news service that we do viable you know did they need to know what's going on and a subscription we don't sell them advertising and a directory listing because we're a national publication it hurts us if we are doing some small insular beer release that only 50 people within you know spitting distance of the brew pub will ever be able to get it doesn't help us but also they're wasting their money because they're reaching an audience that i think sometimes is a vanity yeah audience they want to feel that they're sane that they still need to be making great beer and they still need to be telling their story but they shouldn't be advertising on a national site they should be investing in a chalkboard that the people that are walking past their brewery are going to be drawn to and attracted to and get a direct result from and to me that's almost the nub of the thing that you were, were just saying they still need great branding but the theoretical underpinnings of that need to be great branding that's relevant to who and what they are in their local context the context it doesn't have to be world shaking uh you know stand out on a shelf branding but it still needs to tell their story which is what brand yeah, is and all about this might get too semantic but the what what they need or what they could use is great graphic design it's great identity design brand and this is definitely semantic now that i'm already like thinking through what i'm gonna say it's you're, you, we all have a brand. We, I think everyone kind of knows that at this point. It, it's it's your reputation. It's mm. your story. It's how people regard you. Uh, it's not what you say you are. It's what they think you are. We've all heard these things. That's all true. Uh, our branding, the ING, the, 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 the art of telling that story visually is just figuring out what that all looks like so people can very quickly go, ah, 
I get it. I want to take part in this. I, I understand what role this plays in my life. And, and, and then kind of from the back end of that, by buying into this brew pub that maybe even looks terrible, but I know their beer is good. What story does that allow me to tell my myself about myself and tell the world about myself when I post that I'm here on Instagram or I, you know, whatever, however I signal to the world that I'm hip and with it. So, uh, branding is, a. I, I, I want to go back and look at the, the comments we got on that. People were, I think a lot of, I think the designers that follow us were miffed, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. People were upset by that piece. I'll definitely link to that because I think it'll be an, an interesting one to to, to do. Uh, again, <laughs> it's, it's always terrible interviewing people that have clients that they can potentially, their honest opinions can risk alienating people. So honest, this is, answer this as honestly as, as I guess you can. Do you prefer working with breweries that are not yet open, that have got the vision for what they want to be, or breweries that are coming back after that period for that redesign because, you know, I, I, I think um, Eisenhower used to say, I don't believe in plans, but I believe in planning, you know, because no plan survives yeah. contact with the enemy. And when you're a brewery, the marketplace is your enemy and you can have a vision for what you want to be and what you want to say. But ultimately, the people that are responding to that either respond or they don't. So is, is the visionary that has no real, realistic experience or the person that has started to see the market and is rebranding the, the easier client They're to work both with. fun. They're both challenging. Uh, they're both fun and challenging for different ways, which is a throwaway answer. I'll give you a real answer now. Um, we find rebrands not to be easy, but believe it or not, there is a component to them that is easier because you are work there there are parameters generally if 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 we've gone through a brand audit we've weighed their equity you know we kind of there are some rules in place that we know kind of the universe that we're working in okay this is going to be kind of an evolution we're going to be subtly changing these things we know we can't change these these are sacrosanct these things are all getting changed with a brewery and planning it is fun to to world build a bit you know we're we're helping people kind of come to market from the first time and oftentimes this is something that people have been thinking about and dreaming about you know as a business owner i i have a lot of empathy with that use it's all consuming day in and day out even if you're at the park with your kids you should be a great dad you're thinking about your business like that's, that's what these people are doing and so that that's an honor to work with those folks i think if there's a challenge there and here's where i'm going to get in trouble with all our brewery and planning clients uh, we find that especially early on, depending on where their timeline is, if they're if they're so far out that they're working on branding, but th they haven't really pulled the trigger on, OK, we got to, you know, put a million dollars down to, to build this brewery out and stuff. They can focus so heavily on what they're doing with us that the, it just there are parts of the process where we, we should just move along quickly. You know, like we don't need to we don't need to go through 40 rounds of revisions. And, and that's not that's neither here nor there. It's just, I, I think that business owners uh, or, or founders that we work with tend to focus on a thing that's in front of them because that's the thing that's in front of them when they need to be focusing on, you know, what's our portfolio going to look like when we come to market? How are we going to distribute? What is our plan for giving back to the community? If that's something that you matter uh, or care about, how, how's our QC in our lab? Like the things that matter, I think are important. So I, I think I, I as, as we get older, older, I don't know, as our company gets older, as we take on more complex projects, I think rebrands are fun because they are challenging, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're actively working with several breweries and planning. Those are fun too.
interesting that you say that because I uh, just the, the the bit about the things that they focus on. You know, I've been around the industry for such a long time that I do get approached by breweries in planning um, over the years, um, and I, I don't like consulting because. I like to tell them they're they're paying me for my thoughts on something, not to pat them on the back and say, "Yeah, you, yeah. You're, you're awesome, this is going to succeed." And sometimes it's the hard, challenging things that they don't want to hear. You know, no one wants to hear that their child <laughs> is funny looking, um, you know, uh, or isn't the smartest kid in the in in, in the class. And that, 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 that's very challenging. And quite and again, I make light of that, but quite often they're looking at their vision as a fully formed thing and then get excited about you know the design and the, the brand and how it's going to look on t-shirts and you know that's what got them excited about the brewing industry seeing other you know their favorite brewery and buying t-shirts and merch and sometimes they're, yeah they're, they're thinking about how all of this is going to look on a t-shirt without wondering well what is the compelling reason that anyone's ever going to buy one of our t-shirts? In, in, in the and I understand place? why you would do that. It's easy to get your hands around. I mean, we've, especially in the early days, Cody and I, we used to, I mean, we, we would fly across the country for presentations. We try not to do that. I mean, obviously not now, but even before 2020, I mean, we would, we were very, very high touch and hands on. And what that means is that we'd be in someone's home and they'd have their pilot brewery in their garage. I mean, they're, you know, they're building out a thing down the road and we're, we're in their home and presenting work. And, and you see people, I mean, like we've seen people cry when we present work in, in a positive way. You know, we've seen people like, oh, what have we paid these assholes for? <laughs> but uh, no, like we've seen people, we've seen people just, it, it's the point where it becomes real in the same way that when you have tanks delivered to your your warehouse or wherever it is you're putting your brewery in. I mean, I, I feel like that'd probably be even more emotional and, and experience. But when when you reveal the, hey, here's direction one, direction two, it just becomes very real and it can be very powerful for, for those breweries and planning that again have been, I mean, maybe they've invested all their money in this. They've pooled their friends and family's money together. They've been thinking about this for years. They left a job that they hated or something like that. It, it can be very, very powerful uh, to see that for the first time. So I, I, so I say all that to say that I understand why people place an over importance on it. Uh, I completely understand. Mm -hmm. And, I, I, again, I know I should say that this is the most important thing in, in, in the world, but I, I, I really do think that without the beer, you know, without the experience, without the, uh, frankly, just a business, a good business plan undergirding the entire thing. I don't, I, I think that branding can be a cheat code if you do all those other things right, or it can be a complete waste of time. Uh, as, as my business partner, Cody says, uh, you, if you invest in branding and you don't get all the other stuff right, it's actually a really bad idea because now people see you and people try you and then they get, they kind of get burned and they never come back. So, yeah. It, it's funny that when I hear you speak that you describe yourself, uh, you know, like your, your business is Kodo design, but design is only the physical manifestation of some much deeper processes that you sound like you go through when you're working with your clients, either you know, for a new brewery or a rebrand. Yeah. There are phenomenal designers all over the world. Uh, we just hired two of them. You know, we, they're, they're every graphic design is not a hard thing. Yeah, that's not true at all. Graphic design, that isn't really what's going to help a brewery tell their story. I should say that. I think you can, you can, what we do really well. And, and the reason we've kind of grown the way we have is we help people understand beyond that kind of like once we're through this project and you're running your business, you're going to understand what your story is. You're going to understand how to tell that story. You're going to understand how you can onboard new, new employees and have them telling that story. You're going to, it's, 
it's much deeper than just a logo and a beer can, which, which I think we see a lot of really great designers still kind of do that. And I think that that's increasingly uh, not the proper way to spend your money uh, for a brewery. I think you should invest more in, it doesn't have to be with Kodo. This isn't a commercial for us. I mean, you, you mm. should work with someone to help you understand your positioning, your messaging, your brand essence, whatever your partner calls that most compelling idea about your brewery. I think those things are really the most valuable thing you get from working with with the firm. Uh, and then the graphic design is cool and fun and obviously is a way to tell that story visually, but it's all that other stuff that really matters. I mean, that's if you're not doing that, then you just have you know really slick looking graphic design, but yeah, good luck from there, you know. How much does dissonance play into that, though, if you've got really, really great graphic design, but it doesn't suit the best? And, and we can all get caught up in the aesthetics, you know, the how, how something looks. But if that doesn't align with the, the, the beers you end up making or, you know, the, 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 the look and feel of your brew pub or anything or, 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 or your beer on the shelf, does does can that actually hurt a brand as opposed to help sell a beer? I think it could in the long run. Uh, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but just as a, a very dumb example, if if you position yourself with kind of the, the the current trend right now, trend meaning like the last two or three years of like this maximal over the top, really no brewery branding, parent brand forward. It's just like each can is this piece of art. It's kind of the hazy IPA aesthetic that has taken over the country. If you, if you, everything looks like that, but you go in there and you just make like super kind of middle of the road beer that like not hazy IPAs. I mean, I'll just make it even more dumb example. If you do something that does not align with what that style that you have, you have, you know, wrap yourself around. I think that people will just not come back. They may not dislike you. They may just, there are so many options that they don't even have to think about you anymore. So I think that your your identity should align with the beer that you make. It should align with the values that you hold as a business owner. It should align with the role you play in your community. I think ideally all of those things move in lockstep and work together to tell a, a, a much deeper story than just, oh, they've got cool cans because cool cans are easy to do. Uh, it just doesn't really move the needle that far as far as you want people to buy those cool cans over and over and over again and tell their friends and family and show up to cookouts with it and stuff. So yeah, to, to get that, you need to, you need to give people a way to understand what you stand for and why they should care. You've opened a whole can of worms talking about, you know, the, 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 we, we've got a style of beer in the hazies that has really changed the industry for a while. You know, we, we've moved away from core ranges for so many breweries and, you know, hazy has just come to dominate the craft beer segment the way that IPA once did. And, you know, to, to the point that Hazy has actually supplanted IPA, like it used to be Hazy IPAs or East Coast. Hazy is a is almost the thing that it's becoming yeah. now. But it is such a nebulous, it, it's trying to catch a cloud in, describe it in stylistic beer terms. It's it, it's Hazy. It's But the, the, the flavors, brewers are constantly iterating and changing and, throwing in different hop uh, regimes, different alcohols. So consumers find it, you know, they, they know this thing, but it's this amorphous lump of a, of a thing. Branding has done that as well. So how do you tell the consumer what they're picking up on the package um, in a style that they don't know when the design is constantly changing um, and to the point that you don't even often know the brewery, you know, that that's a, must be a massive design challenge that you have to think in terms of the brand architecture of a company. 
It's something we think about all the time and it, it ships from brewery to brewery. If you are, uh, you know, if, if you cater more to beer geeks, we'll just use that term. You can be, you can talk about IBU. You can talk about the type of hop you use. If, if we're going for more of a, I won't say macro, but more of a general audience, which I think Hazy has been phenomenal at bringing in people. IPA is beer. IPA is craft. And so if mm. Hazy IPA, you, you have people that now enjoy a Hazy that isn't a hop bomb as, as they traditionally be like a West Coast IPA. And, and that's brought a lot of people into the space, I think. But for those people that are that are off prem looking at a wall of beer, you know, that, that moment of truth, uh, we, we like to ground it in occasion or in something really um really familiar. So whether that's a food pairing, whether, you know, we don't, we don't need to say like dank, you know, like, or whatever words we use to describe hops to say like, you know, it might taste like stone fruit or it might taste like whatever. I mean, as dumb as simple as that sounds, I think giving people an expectation. I mean, I see this in CPG stuff too. Like if you're looking at coffee or chocolate, I think that taking cues from those other industries that have the same situation or the same issues rather, so like, don't just say this is a dark blend coffee, you know, tell me that it tastes like soda and to- tell me it tastes like cocoa or, or something like that. So you want to ground it in expectations that people have if that suits your brand. Again, if, if you're it depends on your story and your messaging and who your audience is and how you want to position yourself. But but yeah, uh, it's something that changes all the time. I mean, we we've seen this shift from the early days of, of our beer packaging, like 2011, 12 where we're, we're telling stories and, and and that story panel got smaller and smaller and smaller and it's gone. And now we're just like tasting notes, but now we're kind of coming back to like, maybe there is a paragraph on there, or maybe that's in the secondary and not on the cans because there's different formats there. It, it depends entirely on your communication goals. You've brought in something that I wanted to touch on. We'll actually get to the point of this uh, very soon. We will d- d- dispatch with the last of the um, macro things I wanted to, to raise with the industry changing so much and your 10 years of beer branding really talks about how rapidly it's changed. I mean, in, in, in 10 years, the amount of design change that has happened in the industry is just phenomenal. Yeah. How hard is it to then come up with a brand that you can commit to? You know, how bleeding edge do you want to be versus how classic do you want to be when, when, when you're doing your uh, d- d- design? Because it's going to change. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting conversation we're having as well with, with some of our, our larger, older clients. I mean, we're this is another kind of controversial thing. Controversial is the wrong word. Is it just a thing that we've put out that that garnered a lot of feedback? Um, we've had people come to us that you know if you if you put out a website, you probably need to update it every you know three, four, or five years. It's just a thing that that has to be done because tech is moving so fast. We're seeing people think about that uh, breweries w- with regards to their packaging. So not necessarily driven by pain points or not necessarily driven by like slacking sales or anything like that. But they're saying we probably will want to refresh our packaging again in four years. And, and just because we want to keep something new and on top of mind and, and give people something new to look at and look for. That I I'm not so sure that's a good idea. I, it's good for our, our business, but I don't know that that's good for you know a brewery in, in terms of you want to you want to give people a concrete thing to look for on shelf. Um, and I think your initial question was where do you kind of land on on being something cutting edge and new and crazy versus something that's kind of established and known and true. 
I think that we just five years ago gave up on trying to create new stuff because it's impossible. Uh, that's one of my one of my least favorite parts of being a designer. Uh, period. Uh, right now, is that you you whatever we create, you put it online, and people will say, "Oh, that looks just like this thing," you know, in BFE. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you ripped off this brewery in uh, Nigeria or whatever. It's like, yes, we ripped off that brewery's cans. It, it, that that comes back to the the strategy. I mean, I, a lot of the a lot of this, we, what we we focus on is competitive set audits. So, what we try to do, I don't know if this is even answering your question, but I'll just go down this road. Cut me off if you want to. Uh, when we're when we're helping a brewery, let's say, come to market for the first time, a lot of what we're doing is looking at, well, okay, from a positioning standpoint, who do you compete with, or who do you think you compete with, or even who don't you compete with, but who's in the space very simply, what do they look like? We're not even talking about portfolio at this point. I mean, just like visually, are there, are there any spots, are there any white spaces that we see at all that, that aren't being done? It's very rare also for the record to find white space anymore. It's very, it, you can find it in product, you know, you can find, oh, malt-based RTDs or, or malt, malt, you know, stuff like that are not a thing in your market. But even that, you can't hang your hat on that because that's not going to be there two months from now, someone else will move on it. So aesthetically, we just want to make sure we're not stepping on anyone's toes directly because it would really suck to create beautiful packaging and have it look like a brewery right down the street from you. Uh, you know, it'd just be rude and not good. So in market perception issues as well, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that a lot of it comes down to your positioning goals, your values, and, and I keep repeating myself, but the story you want to tell the world about yourself, um, that's, that's what should drive all aesthetic decisions. If I can drill down the, the thing that I'm constantly hearing, which on one hand is sounds really naff to say it out loud, know who you are. You know, <laughs> don't let your design define who you are. Know who you are and let that define your design. Is that you know, know, know your audience, know your product, know who you want to attract and know how you want to be seen? Sounds like, you know, the thing that is outward pushing rather than inward pushing those things, shaping what you want to be. If you do it right. Yeah. Uh, we, we've seen a lot of people that are wedded to a certain style because they've sold a whole lot of beer over a whole lot of years. And maybe that, maybe that style doesn't necessarily align with kind of where they are, where they want to go, but they have to figure out is, is this worth trying to, you know, change, steer this ship in another direction or should we just leave this as is and create a new brand or can, is there any way to kind of marry these two things? That's why I said earlier, I think rebrands are interesting and challenging for that reason. I think you often have, obviously you have issues that, that a brewery and planning doesn't have to deal with because you have to deal with the idea of equity and audience and retention and shifting and all that stuff. So it's uh it's fun to do those kind of quote unquote harder projects. But you'd also have a better idea of, who that business is and what their brand, how their brand is seen, I'd imagine. Yeah, there's, there's, they, they have already walked the walk, you know, for however many a number of years. It's easy to talk about your values when you, you haven't had anything at stake. You know, you've never had to dump $5,000 worth of beer down the drain. You've never had to fire someone or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, established breweries have, you know, they, they have run a business already successfully, likely if they're rebranding. Just a couple of ones before you get into the weeds of design. Um, you, you talked about near beer, the RTDs, the, 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 the seltzer category. A lot of breweries have jumped on that um, a, as a trend. How closely or how far apart should the beer brand and the seltzer brand be um, 
to you know should, should they resemble each other so you can get the brand equity off, off off the core line or should they be separate and stand alone yes <laughs> uh, I I wish so desperately our new book was done so that number one, I don't have to keep working on it, but number two, so I give you a very quick answer for that. We're writing a new book on brand architecture. That that's okay. the, that's the, you know, this already, but for your listeners that might not know that that's the kind of industry term for the, the question that you're asking that that's uh, what, what are the, the total number of brands that you have? How do they interact or not interact? How does this all help you to, to build up a larger business? And when someone comes to us wanting to launch uh, an extension, an RTD, a hard seltzer or whatever, uh, the chief concern we have is to what, to what degree is the parent brand the driver of the sale? In your mind, we have a bunch of different questions. We have this whole decision tree process, this whole thing that we're capturing in the book that we kind of help to actually spell this out and make sure that the, the strategy is firm. But do you think that people are going to buy the seltzer because it's brewery XYZ's hard seltzer? Or do you think that they're going to buy the hard seltzer based on its own brand that maybe you're thinking about creating? And then being from your brewery is just a, a oh, that's cool. I like them. So it, it's it's that kind of question. And then visually we get into, well, to what, not to what degree, but how much is your parent brand present on there? Are, is, is it just a straight brand extension? So brewery XYZ hard seltzer, or is it, you know, there's any number of strategies. Is it an endorsed brand? Is it a sub brand? Is it a co-driven sub brand? There's or endorsed brand. There's way in the weeds already, but it's, this is something that we, we started fielding these types of projects in 2019. And this is, I'm now having to kind of eat some things that I've written and talked about in the past. Uh, in our last book, Craft Beer Rebranded, we have a we have a chapter on brand architecture, and and we wrote if you if anyone out there if you Google brand architecture, you're going to find branded house or house of brands, and that's the spectrum. And there's a whole mm -hmm. lot in between there because if you just use that as your jumping off point, you go, oh well, we're a house of brands, so that means we have to create an entirely new brand for every new thing that we release. Or if you're a branded house, that means that everything has to be a product of our brewery. So there's not much nuance there. That just gives you basically two ways of doing it. It's a brand extension or a new brand. And what we found is that that doesn't actually work in the real world. So we started getting these projects and we started applying what we knew at the time and finding that we actually don't really know how to do this properly. So we kind of had to fake it for a little bit. Don't tell our clients that. And we had to kind of research <laughs> and figure out like, what is brand architecture? Not what is brand architecture, but let me back up we started reading and researching about brand architecture and we found this really deep field that, that kind of goes in the world of like Procter and Gamble and large P uh, large conglomerate strategy. How would, how would Ford launch a new electric vehicle? That sort of stuff. It's very hard to kind of disseminate down to a brewery that makes 2,500 barrels a year wants to launch a hard seltzer. They're worried about diluting their sales. They're worried about cannibalizing sales. They're worried about their reputation from the parent brand. So it, we had to we had to do a lot of um, translating to figure out what can we take from this like, kind of really really high level corporate speak down to just you know does a brewery want to launch an RTD? Okay, what's the best way of doing that while protecting the parent brand and giving the the new brand you know the the platform that it needs to grow? And uh, we are. I feel like we're close to being done with the book, but I know we're not in my heart. <laughs> so I, I want it to be done by July of 22. Probably won't be. We'll see. 
th- th- thank you for the honesty of that answer as well. Um, actually acknowledging that you don't have all of the answers. Um, we do now. We, we didn't. Back then. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we know everything. Yeah, no, it's it's not black and white. Also, that's the frustrating thing about this. We can mm. very often make just I mean, just like we'll take an endorsed brand versus a sub brand, for instance, we can make a 100 percent case that you should go with either one of those. And you just kind of have to say it, it's just very it's such a challenging thing. It's It's so much harder than just, you know, we're going to we're going to position you and brand you and create your packaging. It's very challenging. It's it's fun. I swing between it's not ideas, it's the execution because everyone has a million ideas, but very few people can execute. But then the flip side is, you know, I, I also then think that it's not the answer. It's showing you're working, you know, that old math, math problem. You know, you can just sort of write down and have the right answer, but it's how you got there that is often the key you know, later on, like if, if you're working out where you went wrong or working out, um, it, it, it's showing your answer and, uh, you know, these things do change. It's, it, they do. And it's also, we, we get way in the weeds and way upstream. You know, we look at like these business school graphs and we, we, we create the, the map, you know, of how every, all your brands interact, but then th- what really matters is how this presents on shelf. Like we all, they, like we even today, we're working through a couple really complex brand architecture projects. Specifically, interestingly, people are coming to us for like capital B, capital A brand architecture. It's not a thing we're foisting on people. They come to us to solve that. So that's how the industry is shifting as well. We're building these and, and we're spending so much time focusing on on the, the architecture map and the strategies and the ways we can deploy these new brands. And there's always a point in the process where we have to go, eh, are we focusing so much on this graph because it's a cool graph that we can talk about internally? Or do we need to start focusing on the customer and how they see this? Because that's that that is that's the fun part that just kind of like kills everything that you, you spend so much time focusing on because all we need to worry about is how they will perceive this new brand, how they will perceive the parent brand and, and how those things interact to create opportunity for releasing this new product. So, Look, I, I'm very conscious of the time and there's one more question I want to ask. We may not even get into the guide, but people can read that and see you working through that. And you've also got a podcast that we'll uh, plug at the end. So people that want to hear your um, thinking, which I think uh, most people should. One of the things that we've seen in Australia is, and it goes back to this idea of craft beer. You know, we don't want it to be wine. We don't want it to be stuffy. We don't want it to be, craft beer has to be fun. Um, and then you've also got seltzer categories and you've got the, 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 the hazies and being caught up in the idea of the design. But then we also have alcohol is an adult beverage. Um, you know, there has a lot of social license pressures on it. And, you know, there are people who don't like alcohol at all. And anything that makes alcohol look fun makes it look inviting and problematic. Where, where, where do you sort of guide your clients, you know, between it's an alcoholic beverage that we should be treating it with, you know, a certain level of seriousness and um, you know, gravitas versus great design can be fun and we can sort of put cartoon characters on our, on, on our beers and make it look like a juice box or something like that. Oh, I don't know that I've ever actually answered this question. Um, we see onerous restrictions on cannabis for, for the reason you're talking about. Like, I mean, you can't put uh, the the work that we've done. You can't put illustrations of fruit on there because, you know, God forbid a child might see a box of uh, pre-rolls on your counter and eat, eat joints or, you know, (laughs) I I don't know. 
and, and none of that applies in beer. I, I have, I have actually, we as a team have talked about, you see, literally, you said juice box. We've literally seen things that look mm. like cereal boxes and, and you look at it and go, eh, that's mm. interesting. But uh, the, the kind of boring, just personal answer, like as a father myself, is that my children aren't going to have access to beer or alcohol. You know, they're not going to have access to things that are bad. So I, I think that that's overblown by the teetotalers. I understand, but I don't know that it's a major issue, but I'm certainly open to being wrong on, on this. Uh, I just, I think that, I think that, uh, all, all alcohol is bad. You know, it's, it's poison by definition. So you shouldn't have let your children near it. You, and it doesn't matter if it's, if it's a, a beautiful adult looking thing, or if it looks colorful and friendly, I, I think that's, uh, that that's the matter of the parent to keep. And I think a kid's going to drink like, you know, I'm sure you only drank when you came of legal age as did I, but, uh, you know, like it, it just, you're going to do what you want to do when you're kind of coming up in age anyway. So I don't think the design helps or hinders anything there. And again, I, I could be completely wrong. I'd actually, that's it. I'd like to write about that and think about that. Please let me know when you do. Cause it, 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 it you know, we have the alcohol beverage advertising code in Australia, ABAC, that really looks at this. And one of the accusations that has been placed in front of the alcohol industry is that they're grooming sure. children by making it attractive to them. And, you know, drinking is a mindset. We, we've, we've seen on one hand people, you know, younger people particularly delaying their first drink or not drinking or drinking for different reasons. Um, and I don't have any answers either. But, you know, on one hand, we say that design is important to make things attractive. But then on the other hand, we sort of say, but it doesn't make it attractive to children. Um, you know. Yeah, not, not, not too attractive. <laughs> not too are, attra are you allowed to uh, advertise alcohol on TV down there? Yes, we can, but very limited hours. So, so there's very limited hours okay. so that we can do it. I think you're you're grooming children to drink. I mean, this is in my own personal experience, in my own, uh, I won't say struggles, but uh, wrestling with alcohol. You know, as I've become an adult and then kind of had to slow down and you know, oh, I'm a dad now. I can't be an asshole. I can't <laughs> drink all the time. Uh, I think that what groomed me as a child was just it constantly in. TV and in like you, you look at just the, the media that we consume as, as a child, it was movies and TV and everyone's drinking, everyone's smoking. And, and, and that's what an adult does. I, th I think that that conversation, again, now I sound like a 1950s, like Republican, but I, I think, I think that starts, I think that conversation starts in your home. Like you telling your children, like, you know, there, there's beer is really good. It's really good in moderation. It's really good when you're of age, you know, I think that, I think that's a parent's responsibility. Um, yeah, and I'll get off my campaign stump speech here. No, I don't, absolutely, because I, I, you know, again, it, it's something that the industry is grappling with, and it's hearing these ideas that are really important. But look, I, I am very conscious of the time, Isaac. So, where can people hear? I, I, I'm sure people who are listening to this, our audience, are going to want to hear much more of uh, your design. So, we'll get you on again, particularly when this uh, um, teased book um, comes out, but yeah. maybe even again before then. But where can they hear your podcast, and, and what's it called? Uh, it is Beer Branding Trends. I want you all, we're trying to simplify this. Go to beerbrandingtrends.com. That is home base for the newsletter, which has 5,500 current subscribers. That's home base to the podcast, which we published, we we debuted yesterday. So it's, this is a very new thing for us. Uh, but beerbrandingtrends.com. You can also check out, you know, kododesign.com if you want to see our work. But uh, yeah, beerbrandingtrends.com. Come over, join the party. And we are new and not very good at podcasting we're, we're trying our best just just so australian audience which is primarily what we target we know uh 
we know our audience, we know who we're trying to target. I, I, I think we, our design sucks half the time, but I think we know who we are. Um, but you do, you have done a number of designs for uh, Australian breweries. Um, so Australian breweries who are interested in working with you, you have the capacity to do, to do that, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. We've worked with a couple down there. We're gearing up to work with another one. I, I, I can't say any more about that as we discussed, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, as we speak, we're working with a brewery in Beijing, a brewery in Britain, brewery, a couple of breweries in Canada. So we work internationally all the time. We just got to figure out the, figure out who's going to stay up late and who's going to get up early. That's all we got to figure out. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I've been watching the sunset, uh, you know, yeah. uh, as we've been recording this and as I watch the sunrise here. So Isaac Arthur from Kodo Design, the links will be in the show notes for anyone, uh, but thank you very much for joining us and uh, giving us a very interesting uh, the philosophy of design. Maybe we can dig into some designs next time we chat. I'd love to, Matt. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And that was Isaac Arthur. If you'd like to find out more about Kodo Design, there are links in the show notes. If you'd like to find out more about Brewery Pro, you can contact us at sam at bruisenews.com.au.